As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Bring them value. If you can bring somebody value without looking for something in return, they're going to look at you higher than somebody who's just wanting to get everything they can out of them. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E. You're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. 
For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best of your listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks. And today we are speaking with Matt DeBoff. Matt, how are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking and thanks for joining us today. Looking forward to our conversation. Before we begin, a little bit about Matt. He served eight years in the Marine Corps as a force recon Marine. He has nine years of real estate experience. Portfolio consists of 174 rental units, and he's flipped 25 rental units. He's currently rehabbing a 48-unit apartment in Des Moines, Iowa, so we'll definitely talk about that. Also located in Des Moines, Iowa, you can say hi to him at tripleholdings.com. So Matt, before we dive into that 48-unit deal, would you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, I spent eight years in the Marine Corps. I was on my last deployment to Afghanistan, was ready to get out, didn't really have a plan or knew what I was going to do. Started reading a ton of books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, investment books. I decided to give real estate a try. So while I was on my last deployment, I was scooping the MLS. I found a 20-unit apartment building, contacted the realtor. The realtor told me, hey, the seller's interested in owner financing. Came back, talked to the owner face-to-face, worked out a deal. I ended up getting out of the Marine Corps in end of August, close September 1st. And essentially, I house-hacked a 20-unit apartment building. From there, I started buying all these houses off the MLS because it was a good time to buy all these foreclosures. I'd buy them, flip them, rent them out. I was doing that for a while. And then eventually, I got tired of the single-family houses and started going to apartment buildings. And that's Primarily where I'm focused at now is value-add apartment buildings, usually 24 units or more, usually a mix of at least half, two bedrooms. So you house-hacked a 20-unit. What were the seller financing terms? Maybe walk us through that negotiation and how to even determine what would be a good price since you were so new. Well, I had done my research. I realized how to use Microsoft Excel, how to basically run all the numbers. And the seller couldn't sell it because the market was bad. Nobody in town was really buying large multifamily like that. His terms were $50,000 down. I think it was 12.5% interest for three years. And the first six months were interest-only payments. And even with those crazy terms, it was still cash flowing like crazy. And I was living there rent-free, so... To me, it was a good deal. Plus, I bought it at the bottom of the market, had a ton of equity into it about a year and a half later. I purchased it for $500,000. A year and a half later, I think it appraised at $950,000. And then about a year ago, it appraised for $1.15. So it's been one of my better deals I purchased. After the three years, did you refinance it into a loan to pay back the first owner? I did. I had to pay him the payments up for the first 18 months. And at month 19, I walked into the small hometown bank and threw it all on the table and said, what can you guys do for me here? They helped me out. They got me, I think at the time, five and a quarter was my interest rate. Okay. Then, so after that, you said you transitioned into buying single family foreclosures. You'd buy them, fix them up and then rent them out. 
Yeah. At that time, you could throw a dart at the MLS and hit a foreclosure and get a good deal. So I was buying them like crazy. I was cross-collateralizing them with that 20-unit apartment building. Sometimes I'd have a little bit of cash to put into them. Basically, I was doing all the sweat equity myself, getting them ready to flip, getting renters in there, and then I would refi out. And I was basically doing the Burr method before I think the Burr method was even coined or I even knew what it was at the time. Okay, and then after that, what kind of like deals did you do before you decided to transition back into multifamily? I think at the time I was around 30 houses I had done. I sold off about half of them, and I currently have about 14 single-family homes I'm holding on to. Okay, and then what was the first multifamily deal you did after uh, buying all the single-family homes? And then maybe walk us through that deal the way you walked us through that 20-unit. The next big deal I bought was a 17-unit apartment building in the same town. It was actually owned by my property manager who was going through a divorce. He wanted to get rid of it. I was in the time to buy. I had a ton of equity in that first 20-unit building, so I basically used that as cross-collateralization for the down payment. I think I paid $425,000 for it at the time, and it just appraised about 30 days ago for $750,000. So I got a lot of equity in that. I'm going to use that to roll over into another project here soon. So when you say cross-collateralization, are you saying that you went to a bank and rather than give them money, you put up your 20-unit as collateral? Yeah. In these larger deals, and even when I first started off in these houses I was doing, I had so much equity into it that instead of doing like a refinance cash out, I would leave all that equity on the books in the property, which helped me out a lot because it keeps my mortgage payment low. My debt to income is low. It keeps my DSCR, my debt service coverage ratio high. So the banks love that because they're in a better position. And I basically use that equity in property A to finance a down payment for property B. And then as soon as property B is stabilized and on its own, usually within six to 12 months, I'll refinance that so the two properties are not tied together anymore. That way you don't have a house of cards in case you lose one building, you're not losing them all. So it's usually a short time, usually between six to 12 months that they're actually tied together on the same mortgage. That's very interesting. So it sounds like this cross collateralization strategy is a very low money down if you can find the right deals and force that appreciation. Because it sounds like you use this 20 unit deal to buy a lot of different deals and then you just refinance once you've added equity to the other deals. Is that basically what you did? Is that your strategy? Yep. The only deal I've ever really had to put money down for these multifamilies is that first 20 unit, I put $50,000 down. And that was part of a savings that I had from deployment. It's on a credit card and peer-to-peer lending. But everything else I bought from then on out has all been zero money out of my pocket. And I'm not buying deals that are at a three, four, five cap. They're all value add. They, They have a ton of equity in them already. They're a distressed seller. They need a little bit of rehab. The banks love them. So it's a pretty good money down strategy. I haven't had any problems with it yet. I don't see having anything since I'm buying on actuals and cash flow and not pro forma. Mm-hmm. Then that's huge. So let's talk about the 48 unit deal. So before I go into detail, is this another deal that you're using cross collateralization on or do you put money out of pocket for this? No, I cross collateralized the 22 unit building to buy this. So I purchased it for 2.5 million. financed and the bank also financed $1.2 million for the rehab. And it was 100% financed because of the cross-collateralization, right? Yeah, I had to use the cross-collateralization for the purchase price, but the building appraised 
can't remember. I think the building appraised for about 3.8. So I had a ton of equity into it for after repair value that the bank pretty much gave me the repair cost to put into it. So I'm using that right now to rehab the entire property. And as of right now, I think our rents are going to be about $100 more than what we've forecasted. So that's just icing on the cake for the deal. It was a $2.5 million purchase price. And then the bank gave you 1.25 in repairs? Yes. Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong, but 50% of the purchase price, you're using that amount to repair the property. So does that take a while to do? It's like a long process? Yeah, it will. It'll probably take about 18 months. It's one property, but it's four 12 plexes. So we're just doing it one building at a time. That way we have the other three buildings paying rent. We still got cash coming in. So we're just, as soon as Uh one building's up and ready and rehab, we'll rent that out see what we can get for actuals on rents. And then we're going to move to the next building and go from there and just do it chunk by chunk instead of kicking everybody out and trying to do everything at once, especially now with the market, the way it is, nobody knows how this whole coronavirus is hitting everything. So we're kind of just taking it slow and doing it step by step. how did you find that 48 unit? I had a broker bring it to me, a broker that had brought me a few other deals. He had been working this one for a while the seller never wanted to sell. She was just dead set on holding. And I think one day she just randomly called him and said, sell the place. I'm tired of dealing with tenants. So he knew I was in the market for something that size and that price range. And I was the first on his list. And why were you the first on his list? Networking. I had already done about $4 million worth of deals with him in the past. I would talk to him on a regular basis, probably two, three times a week. I referred him multiple times. He's got a couple good clients from me. I think it's just the networking and staying in his circle, keeping in front of him the whole time, telling him what I want. And he knows I'm a closer. I'm not retrading on deals. I had the financing already in place for something of this size and he took it serious. Is that how you're finding all of your deals now through these broker relationships? Or do you have another method for generating leads? Mainly brokers. I'd say my next biggest one is just networking, meeting people that want to sell. I'm not doing any sort of direct mail or anything like that. I'm just going to real estate meetups and talking to people, trying to get out there and see what kind of value I can add to other people. And then it turns around and gifts you with things like other deals and stuff. I don't buy everything that I come across, but I definitely try and hook people up with other buyers that I know that are looking to buy stuff. Are you still having a pretty easy time finding these value add deals in this market? It's a little tougher than it was a few years ago, but they're out there. Obviously, they're not going to be blasted on the MLS or LoopNet, but there are definitely a lot of brokers out there with pocket listings that they're trading at a decent price. I think the networking part is is how you get those good deals, though. They're not going to be blasted all over the internet for everyone to see. They're going to be in that broker's pocket. For someone who wants to start the process of building that trusting relationship with the broker so that they can receive those off-market value opportunities. What's the first thing that they should do? Or what's one thing they should do immediately to get the ball rolling on that? I'd say bring them value. If you can bring somebody value without looking for something in return, they're going to look at you higher than somebody who's just wanting to get everything they can out of them. Network, constantly be meeting people, get out of your comfort zone. Just start shaking hands. Well, I don't know now the coronavirus don't be shaking everybody's hand, but get out there and just meet people and go to real estate meetups. And we say bring value to brokers without looking for something in return. Do you have any examples that people could follow? 
Yeah, if, if you know somebody that's looking to sell or buy and they're in a certain niche and you know another realtor that's in that niche, look them up, see what you can do. Don't try and get something as far as a commission or a finder's fee or anything into it. Just try and help people out. That's probably the best way, to, I think, to meet people in this industry. Yeah, and if you don't know anyone who's buying or selling, you can use the going to real estate meetup. That's what people are there for, to find deals, things like that. All right. Matt, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say network, get out there, meet people, go to real estate meetups, get on websites, forums, constantly interact with people, get uncomfortable, educate yourself as much as you can. All righty, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right, first, a quick word from our sponsor. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you looking for a hard money loan or do you have a mortgage note that you want to sell? then email david at hasslefreecashflowinvesting.com. If you recognize this company, well, that's because David was a best ever guest on the show is episode 122, David Campbell. And you can email him at david at hasslefreecashflowinvesting.com if you're looking for a hard money loan or if you have a mortgage note to sell. All right, what is the best ever book you've recently read? That'd have to be Titan, the story of John D. Rockefeller. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? I'd start over. I'd start hustling, start from the bottom again and try to get to the top. We talked about a lot of your successful deals. Is there any deal that you lost a lot of money on? And if so, how much and what lesson did you learn? I haven't lost any money on any deals, but there has been a few deals where I thought I had lowballed them quite a bit but then they accepted my first offer so that I started second guessing myself. And then one deal in particular, I went to the closing table and realized I probably could have got it for about $100,000 less. But at the time I was too scared to go any lower because I knew if it went to market, it would be gone and it'd be out of my price range. What is the best ever way you like to give back? Probably attend meetups, educate people, get on the forums like bigger pockets, help people out as much as I can try to get people educated into real estate. And then lastly, what is the best ever place to reach you? I'm on Instagram at Matt DeBoth, Facebook, LinkedIn, BiggerPockets, and TripleHoldings.com. What type of thing are you doing on Instagram? I'm just posting some deals that I've got, some rehab stuff that we're doing. I'm not as active as I probably should be on it, but I'm trying to get out there and reach people. And I meet a lot of people who have questions and I try to answer them, do some Zoom calls with them and just help them out. Well, Matt, thanks for joining us today and sharing your story, your journey, and what you're doing today. I think the biggest takeaway, at least for me, and I'm sure for the for most of the listeners, is this very low money down cross-collateralization strategy. Obviously, I've heard of it before, but I hadn't heard about it in this way. I hadn't heard about the kind of the rinse and repeat process. So basically, you buy one property. For you, is this 20-unit building that you bought for $50,000 down. It was an owner-financed property. And you said that you bought it for 500K and it appraised for over a million dollars a few years ago. And then after 19 months, you refinanced, got out of that really, really high interest loan into a new loan. And then you created a bunch of equity in that property. And then you use that equity as a down payment for another property. 
and you kind of rinse and repeat. So after six to 12 months, you refinance. They have to be value-add deals. So you can add value and force appreciation. And then you refinance so that those properties are connected. And then you've got that collateral to use for another property. And so it sounds like you've really just had $50,000 out of pocket up front and were able to do all of these deals. Correct. And we talked about all different deals you've done, the 17 deal that you did. We talked about your 48 unit deal that you did, all with cross collateralization. We talked about how you're finding your deals. Number one source is through brokers. And you gave us some tips on how to get brokers to send you their off market deals. One was to do deals in the past. You had done $4 million worth of deals with this particular broker who brought you the 48 unit deal. Speak to them. You speak to them three times a week and then bring them value without looking for anything in return. And the best way to do that is to refer them people. Yep. And then you also mentioned that your other way to find deals is through networking. So attending real estate meetups, browsing the forums and things like that, which was also your best ever advice, which is to network and then also to get uncomfortable. And you gave the example of, not a deal you lost money on, but a deal that you could have made more money on, but you were too afraid to get outside your comfort zone and offer something really, really low. So I think that's really good, solid advice, as well as the cross-collateralization strategy. So again, Matt, thank you for joining us. Best of your listeners, thank you for listening. As always, have a best ever day, and we will talk to you tomorrow.